Isn't it wonderful to be in the season of Chag Urim, the festival of lights? At home, we should all be lighting our Hanukkiahs, and each night they should be glowing brighter and brighter. It reminds me of Exodus 39, verse 37, where we are told about the Hamenorah Hatahora, the pure menorah, its lamps and their arrangement for display, its accessories and the oil for the light. Why did God command the creation of Hamenorah Hatahora, the pure menorah? One possibility is that it was to symbolize how Israel was to reflect the light of God to all the nations of the earth. When we light our Hanukkiahs, we are reminding ourselves that we are called to be a menorah nation, shining the light of God to the world around us. In this regard, it is not possible to celebrate Hanukkah and reflect on its deepest meanings without thinking about Kiruv outreach. So this fourth day of Hanukkah, as we continue our Messianic Jewish Discipleship 101 series, and I hope you all have your uh, worksheets uh, for today, and if you don't, you can raise your hands and and uh, one of the ushers will, I'm sure, give you a copy. I would like to raise the question today, why Kiruv? Why outreach? And I'd like to offer three reasons for your consideration. The first is, our God is a God of outreach. Second, it's a mitzvah to reach out. And third, Kiruv is in our kishkas. Let's begin with number one. Our God is a God of outreach. If you were Melech HaOlam, the king of the universe, would you spend all your time dealing with the countless spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of human beings? Or would you say, I have more important things to do than reach out to all these people who are not reaching out to me. We might be tempted to go in the direction of the latter, but thank God he does not say this. Why? Because our God is a God of outreach. Let me say that again. Because our God is a God of outreach. It is fundamentally part of his nature to reach out. And why is this? Because, my brothers and sisters, because our God is a God of love. We are told in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, Ha'elohim Hu Ahava, God is love. And let's all read the rest together. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here we see, as clear as day, that God reaches out to us because he is a God of love. He sees our spiritual needs and goes after us because of his love for us, not only to comfort us, not only to say, I'm sorry you're going through these things. It's so terrible, isn't it? Not just that, but to help us address and resolve our spiritual needs. Hence, our Savior, Yeshua, was born into this world to seek and to save the lost. And that is the true reason for the season, isn't it? So why Kiruv? Why outreach? Because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a God of outreach. He is a God of Kiruv, and we, his children, should imitate him. And this brings us to the second reason for why Kiruv, and that is, it's a mitzvah to reach out. Among the Tariag mitzvot, the 613 commandments, the first one, chronologically, occurs in the very first chapter of the Bible. We are told in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we are told, God blessed them and said to them, Peru Urevu, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth. Here we see that in the beginning, the Lord gave Adam and Eve a vision to impact the world. They were given a mitzvah, a commandment, a good deed to do, Peru Urevu be fruitful and multiply. On a Peshat level, the plain meaning of the text, the Lord is talking about having children and physically populating the earth. But on a deeper spiritual level, the Lord is saying to our first human parents who possessed the image of God and the blessing of God to spread that light of God throughout the earth through their children and their children's children, who, like them, would bear the image of God wherever they went. Similarly, the Lord called Avraham Avinu, our father Abraham, to impact the world spiritually. The Lord said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, he said, and let's all uh, read this together. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. You will be a blessing, a barucha, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Like the first mitzvah, Peru Uruvu, be fruitful and multiply, the Lord is here saying to Abraham, I have plans for you and for your descendants, plans to spiritually bless the whole world 
through you. Can you imagine Abraham hearing that and taking that in, that the whole world would be blessed through him and his children? Well, the Lord is saying to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, you will bring my light, Abraham, to all the peoples of the earth. Then, more than 400 years later, the nation comes to fruition, just as God promised Abraham. It is now a reality. So Hashem once again reveals himself and calls the nation to have a vision to be his priestly nation. He says in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6, and let's all read it together. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What does a kingdom of priests do? Priests, in part, are responsible for bringing the knowledge of God to the people. The priestly responsibility or calling of Israel was to ultimately bring the knowledge of God, the light of God, to the peoples of the earth. And that is why Isaiah says prophetically in Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 through 5, and let's uh, read it together. In the last days, the mountain of Adonai's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of Adonai, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The Torah will go out from Zion, the word of Adonai from Jerusalem. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of Adonai. Didn't we sing that earlier today? I wasn't talking with David Haller. This is like the second week in a row that the songs he chooses are in my sermon. So the Lord is uh, saying something to us. Come, O house of Jacob. Come, O, what is it? House of Jacob. Let us walk in the light of Adonai. What Isaiah is saying is, come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of Adonai so we can bring light to the rest of the world, not just to keep it for ourselves, just to keep all that light to ourselves. No, 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 no. We're supposed to share that light. You know that song, this little light of mine, I'm supposed to let it shine, right? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. In other words, Kiruv outreach has always been, from the very beginning, a calling of God, a calling of humanity, a calling of the Jewish people. It has been a mitzvah, a commandment that the Lord gave to us to walk in his light and to reflect his light to the world around us. We are called to be a menorah nation. And it is in this context, 
It is in this menorah nation context that Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and let us all say it together, I am the light of the world. Wait, is that what it says? I am the light of the world? Oh, you are the light of the world. Yes, that's okay. Let's, re- let's say it again. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Yes, Yeshua did say, I am the light of the world. But here he was saying to his disciples, and he is saying to each of us this morning, you and you and you and you and you and every you I didn't uh, point at are the light of the world. You are part of this menorah nation. You are called to take that light, not keep it to yourself, but to share it with the world. And along the same lines, Yeshua says to his little band of Messianic Jewish Maccabees in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1, he says, and let's all read it together, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And how were they going to do this? How were they going to go out and make disciples of all nations? We find in Galatians that this great commission actually gets split into two sub-commissions that reflect a division of labor within the body of Messiah. We are told in Galatians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Do we have that up? No? I added it just before coming to the service this morning, so maybe it didn't come in. Well, I'll read it to you. Galatians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 says, For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jewish people, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Yaakov, Peter, and Yochanan, John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me, Paul, and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jewish people. The 21st century Messianic Jewish community is a continuation of the bearing of that torch to bring the light of Messiah to the house of Israel. It is the continuation of that calling of Peter, James, and John to bring the knowledge of the Messiah of Israel to the house of Israel. And Tikvot Israel continues that calling of Peter, James, and John to bring the knowledge of Yeshua to the Richmond Jewish community, while local churches continue the apostolic calling of Paul and Barnabas to bring the knowledge of Yeshua 
to the Gentiles. Isn't that exciting that our community is continuing this ancient calling of Peter, James, and John? Isn't that exciting? And by the way, we are making a lot of progress in doing this. For example, this week, a major article came out, uh, which is published online, a major article on Messianic Judaism, which is entitled, Wither, that is W-H-I-T-H-E-R, Wither Messianic Judaism, question mark. And it is written by a secular Jewish author who concludes in this article that Messianic Judaism is good for the Jewish people. Isn't that wonderful to hear? Yeah, you can go online and read this article. Also, um, the other week, I was invited, get this, to give a lecture this April at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. on the subject of Messianic Judaism. Isn't that something? The Lord is doing amazing things in our day as we continue this calling of Peter, James, and John to bring the light of the Messiah to the house of Israel. So what is the second reason for why we outreach? Why do we devote ourselves to Kiruv? Because from Adam to Abraham, to the nation of Israel, to Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, the Lord has called his people to walk in the light, as we sung this morning, to walk in the light so that we can be the light of Yeshua to the world. Our Messiah has given us a mitzvah, a commandment to reach out that is rooted in the calling of Israel to be a menorah nation, and that is rooted in the first commandment, Peru Urevu, be fruitful and multiply. And this brings us to the third and final reason, at least that I'm presenting this morning, for why outreach. And that is, Kiruv is in our kishkas. What do I mean by this? What I mean is that we are made in the image of God, and the Ruach HaKodesh lives inside of us. This means that there is a tug from the presence of God within us to reach out even as God reaches out to us. The Spirit of God within us gravitates towards sharing the knowledge of God with others. When we are self-absorbed and focused on pleasing ourselves rather than caring for others, we are not whole. But when we reach out, when we go out with the light of Yeshua, we experience a sense of wholeness or shalom in our lives. Why is this? It is because, as Yeshua said in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's all say that together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. One more time. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now let's close our eyes and let's all say it together. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I just want to say this is a, this is a fundamental 
spiritual principle of what it means to be a disciple of Yeshua. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Recently, I felt this sense of wholeness in my kishkas that we're talking about as a result of taking the step to reach out. And I'd like to share with you about the experience that I had and also touch on the larger question of the ethics of outreach in the wider Jewish community. This past week, Harumi and Miriam and I participated in Tikvat's Chanukah outreach. After Meggy gave us a couple bags of sufganiyot, jelly donuts, and a stack of Chanukah party invitations, we set out to two local malls. Our goal was to visit the kiosks where it is common to find Israelis selling skin products. We wanted to bless them by wishing them a happy Hanukkah, giving them sufganiyot as Hanukkah presents, and inviting them to join us in our celebration of the festival. Harumi also printed up some copies of Isaiah 53 in Hebrew to give to them if they were interested. Many, many people in the wider Jewish community would object to our doing something like this. But is it wrong? I don't think so. We were not going to the JCC where there is a sensitivity about encouraging Jewish people to consider the possibility that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel. And that is a sensitivity that we need to respect just as we expect people to respect the norms of our synagogue. But the mall is a place that is much more akin to the public square. And in that context, there is nothing inappropriate about giving away Hanukkah jelly donuts, party invitations, or even a passage from the prophets to someone manning the kiosks, even as there is nothing inappropriate about Israelis reaching out in trying to sell skin products from Israel. <laughs> but isn't what we were doing a form of proselytizing? Well, it all depends on how we define proselytizing. I personally do not regard saying Happy Hanukkah, inviting someone to our Hanukkah party, and sharing a portion of the Hebrew Bible as proselytizing, but rather, I refer to it, and I'd like you to refer to it as well, as bearing witness. What is the difference? Well, there is a wonderful essay entitled Covenant Mission and Relating to the Other, written by Gerald McDermott, a professor of religion at Roanoke College here in Virginia. And in this essay, which is available online, he attempts to explain the difference between bearing witness and proselytizing. McDermott writes, quote, the patriarchs did not hesitate to give witness to the God who had blessed them. Let me say that line again from McDermott's essay. The patriarchs, that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
did not hesitate to give witness to the God who had blessed them. He continues, theirs is not a mute faith. The patriarchs verbalize to others the reality of Adonai whom they have experienced in their lives. They tell of his provision of wealth, his protection and guidance, his giving of children, and their commitment to Hashem's moral standards. McDermott continues, he says, after millennia of coercive and murderous, quote-unquote, witness by Christians, Jews are undeniably wary of any talk about bearing witness. It can seem to be an excuse to eliminate either Jews or Judaism. But they might reflect on the notion that bearing witness is inevitable in all meaningful dialogue. The Messiah follower bears witness to what she thinks to be true because of what she has seen and lived. This, he says, is different from proselytizing, which too often is coercive and demeaning. True witness is testimony without demanding that the other accept the truth of that testimony in order to retain dignity as a human being or a believer in God. Let me repeat those last three lines to you. He says, the Messiah follower bears witness to what she thinks to be true because of what she has seen and lived. This is different from proselytizing, which too often is coercive and demeaning. True witness is testimony without demanding that the other accept the truth of the testimony in order to retain dignity as a human being or a believer in God. Did you get that? All right. McDermott, I think, well articulates what is arguably an important distinction between the concepts of bearing witness and proselytizing as he defines it. Drawing from this framework, I would like to suggest that in our Messianic Jewish context, we are bearing witness when we share about the God of Israel and his Messiah based on our own experience, when we share about the God of Israel and his Messiah in love and humility, in kindness and respect for the other, in affirmation of the other's human dignity. We cross the line into proselytizing if we ever become coercive or demeaning in how we communicate or act, as it actually has happened in Christian history and even in Jewish history. For example, many people don't realize this, but the Maccabees, after their victory, sadly forced Gentiles living within the land of Israel to convert to Judaism. My brothers and sisters, let us be committed to bearing witness about our experience with the Lord, but let us stay far, far, far away from proselytizing. So, 
how did it go at the malls we visited? Well, unfortunately, we didn't find any Israelis. So we ended up eating the sufganiyot, the jelly donuts, all by ourselves. As the saying goes, gamzu letova, it is also for the best. But even though we didn't get a chance to meet fellow members of the tribe from Israel and invite them to our Hanukkah party tonight, I think it was still a very successful outreach. Why do I say this? Well, for one, we took a step of faith. We stepped out of our comfort zones to bear witness, to share about our Messiah, our experience with the Messiah of Israel in love and humility, not proselytizing, bearing witness in love with respect and kindness and humility. We stepped out of our comfort zones, and in doing that, a certain wholeness filled my heart. And second, the experience inspired me to find other ways that we as a messianic synagogue can bear witness to Yeshua within the wider Jewish community. One way I came up with, based on an idea that Harumi gave me, was to add a whole new section to our Tikvot website that is devoted to the purpose of kiruv, or outreach. I spent a lot of time this week one day, I, I stayed up till four in the morning making this new section and uploading more than 50 video clips that do a very good job of bearing witness to the reality that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel. What this means is that we can now encourage Jewish people whom we know to go to our website and watch these videos which are very, very compelling. How can a person find this section on our website? Well, first of all, from the home page, you can go there, if we can put up a, a picture of the home page, there's the new home page. Um, if we go to the home, from the home page, you can get there by scrolling down to the bottom and clicking the box that says, uh, if you can go to the box that says, Dr. Michael Brown reveals the real Messiah. See that? And uh, if you click that, that uh, box, this goes to a whole page of amazing videos that Dr. Brown did. They are wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Another way you can get to these outreach videos is by going to the homepage menu. If you could go back to the homepage, please and clicking the button at the top next to members. You see that button that, that says um, members? Well, right next to it, to the right, it says must watch. Press that button that says must watch. And this will bring you to a page where you will find four different sections of videos. The first section, if we can put up the first section, that's the first section, is a series of videos under the heading of Jewish people who believe that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah of Israel. These are testimonies of how various Jewish people encountered Yeshua and the difference that he made in their lives. If you hit the click to see more button, which is at the bottom left-hand corner of the page, uh, if you could go back to the first section, 
Well, it's the same there as well. The click to see more button. That will take you to a whole other page that is filled with uh, testimonies, additional testimonies. And over time, I hope to add many more testimonies to this section. The second section, which is presently on the screen, is entitled, What Mainstream Jewish Scholars Are Saying About Yeshua and the New Testament. These are fascinating videos by Jewish scholars like Amy Jill Levine, who is an Orthodox Jew, Daniel Boyarin, also an Orthodox Jew, Mark Nanos, a Reformed Jew, and Paula Fredrickson, who is a, a traditional Jew. These are Orthodox Jews, secular Jews, etc., who are arguing for the essential Jewishness of Yeshua and the New Testament. They are not Messianic Jews, but they believe strongly that the New Testament is a Jewish book and that Yeshua was a Jew and he needs to be recognized as a Jew. And I've already received emails from people who have been watching these videos and have been deeply impacted by them. The third section on the watch, uh, watch now, or what is it, watch now? Is that it? Uh, must watch on the must watch page. The third section is this why believe that Yeshua is the Messiah of Israel. And these are videos by Dr. Michael Brown that powerfully bear witness to who Yeshua is. They are by far the clearest presentations of the Besorah, the good news of Yeshua for Jewish people that I personally have ever heard. I encourage all of us to watch them and to tell our Jewish friends about them. The final and fourth section on the page is entitled, How Messianic Jews Respond to Traditional Objections to Yeshua. And these are videos that do an excellent job of answering questions like, isn't the New Testament anti-Semitic? Why don't more Jews believe in Yeshua? God is one, not three. And many more objections that we often hear. Many of these videos are based on Dr. Brown's five-volume series, Answering Jewish Objections to Jesus. So I encourage all of us to go on our, on our website and watch these videos so we can learn and grow and share them with others. When I finished putting together this new section of our website devoted to outreach, and you can take it down now, thank you, I felt deep within my soul a sense of wholeness, a sense that I had done something that I was created by God to do, to bear witness to the God of Israel and his Messiah, Yeshua. So why outreach? Because Kiruv is in our kishkas. When we light our Hanukkah candles this evening, let us remember that we are the ones called to be the light of the world, to walk in the light and to be the light of the world, reflecting the light of the Lord to those around us. We are called to be HaMenorah HaTahora, the pure menorah of Israel. Today we have continued our series on Messianic Jewish Discipleship 101. And I've asked the question, 
for all of us to consider, why Kiruv outreach? And I put forward three reasons for our consideration. First, our God, our God, is a God of outreach. Second, it's a mitzvah to reach out. And third, Kiruv is in our kishkas. Let's pray.